When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Group Text. I cannot wait to talk to my guest today, Nicholas Haddon. He is one of the producers on the inventively funny smash hit Jury Duty, which has garnered four primetime Emmy nominations for Outstanding Comedy Series, Outstanding Writing for a Comedy Series, Outstanding Casting for a Comedy Series, and my favorite, Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series for James Marsden in his role as... James Marsden, juror number 14. The premise of jury duty is simple. We watch a fake trial performed by actors, except for one person on the jury who believes the trial is totally real. So it's part sitcom, part social experiment, part for the production crew anyway, danger act, and it is fantastic. Here to take a deep dive into how he pulled off an eight-episode hoax on unsuspecting Ronald Gladden, the adorably sweet... Oh, funny man, man from every man from Southern California is Nicholas Hatton. Welcome to group text. Did I summarize it? Your your uh, log line is better than the one that I did. So, uh, yes, you should have actually made this show. That was a perfect uh, summary. Thank you very much. And it's a pleasure to be here chatting with you. It's I loved the show. Okay. But for people who haven't seen it, Explain the premise. The premise is uh, it is a documentary style project uh, in which a camera crew is given unprecedented access to a civil trial in Los Angeles following proceedings from jury selection all the way through to the final verdict. The twist being uh, one of the jurors is in fact our Truman and the entire show is about that person. And uh, the, the, the task of the show is to take him from the beginning through to the end with hopefully a satisfying conclusion and that he is none the wiser until we reveal the truth to him in our uh, penultimate episode. Um, that, that's, that's what jury duty is. Um, and we don't think anyone has ever done this before. Anyone actually tried to Truman show a guy, truthfully, for a long period of time. <laughs> And that was that was the challenge. That was the the, the, the mountain we tried to climb, and um, we, well, we, did. we lucked out. Yes, we we okay. did. Yes. So, how did you get involved? Uh, I got involved because a very good friend of mine is a guy named Todd Shulman, who I worked with uh, when we made stuff with Sasha Baron Cohen. He was a longtime uh, partner of Sasha's, and uh, through him, uh, we, we worked together. And I did a show called Who Is America on on Showtime, and then a movie called Borat. Subsequent movie film yeah and we've seen, a couple of people have seen it a few people have seen it uh wacky foreign journalist uh and as we were going to the end of borat 2 um todd uh called me and said listen I, i've got an idea and i think you you're the one who can who can do it and he pitched me this very simple idea of what if we had a sitcom but we replaced one of the characters with a real person who was not aware that they're in a sitcom and what if we could also give that person a hero's journey 
And one if at the end, like 12 Angry Men, they could be Henry Fonda standing up for truth and justice in a room full of people who just want to go home. Could we do that? And like, that sounds like a good idea. Oh, <laughs> 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 sure, I get pulled off. He's like, do you want to do it? And um, I, 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 I said yes, because I, I, and truthfully, finishing Bora, doing stuff with real people is really, really hard because it just adds Very. multitude levels of complexity to everything that you have to do because you're, 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 you're hiding in plain sight, essentially. And any mistake, any sloppiness can expose the whole game. And the idea of creating such a complicated and choreographed journey for one individual over three weeks of their life, and not just for the hours that you're shooting at court, for 24 hours a day, they are in our fake world. Um, the idea of doing that was pretty scary <laughs> and possibly <laughs> stupid. Um, but I also thought I really did love the fact that, you know, that the idea was always to make this person have a memorable experience that they could be proud of and be proud of what they did as a part of it. And that to me was really, um, that was admirable. And if we could pull that off and everyone could feel good about this experience, both people who've watched it and the guy who's actually going through it, then that would be worthwhile entertainment, I guess. And then, and here we are now. Okay, I, I have a tendency to over-intellectualize things, but I think you just beat me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. And the use of the word penultimate, I'm like, oh, we could be friends. <laughs> Every now and again, you got to flex your vocabulary, like I say. Um, and I, 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 part of me allowed myself to get involved. It's hard, though, as someone who has worked live, done all these kinds of things as a producer and a performer, I sat there and I thought, how do you even storyboard this? But more importantly, you had to reverse engineer this in a way. How did you even do that? You know, we all have seen, we've all worked in a room with a whiteboard. Roger this. Did you, did you guys complete, I would think you would have had to reverse engineer the entire thing. That's, that's pretty close to what it was. Yeah, your instincts are right. We, we knew that we needed the 12 angry men moment. So you start from there and work backwards. And uh, we always knew that it was going to be roughly eight episodes. So that's how you start essentially structuring the experience. And then you actually lean into the legal proceedings and you go, well, actually, what, how, what, what, what is the shape of a civil trial? And we had... Uh, an incredible lawyer in our writer's room. His name is Evan Williams. He also plays Sean, uh, the defendant's attorney, the hapless defendant's attorney. Um, and he was our sort of legal guide and, and guru through that writing experience. And we were able to realize, oh, we actually have a structure here. We have a shooting structure. So we know that for a couple of days, there's going to be the voir dire. So we're going to have lots and lots of extras. And they're going to be seeing people, you know, speak to attorneys. And then we're going to go to witness arguments and then so on and so forth. Um, and that gave us a loose structure. And then from there, you just keep digging deeper and deeper. So for example, now that you have the structure, you go, well, like, well, hour to hour, how are we going to move through scenes when you can't have an AD in there pushing people along when it's just the actors doing it? So then you have to work out what those processes are like and how our actors can be communicating with us in the control room. And, there, and so everything just kind of goes from that, there's broad strokes um, and then filters on down into the day by day. And that whole process probably takes, I'd say it took about a year to year and a half to when I started thinking about building this sort of sandbox that Ronald would be playing in for three weeks to it actually executing it. And because you have to try and think about every single 
contingency and eventuality you possibly can because it could happen and it could destroy the whole thing and if you haven't thought about it then uh you no longer have a tv show and that's a bad result um yes, so yeah a lot, a, lot, a, lot, a lot a lot of thinking had 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 to go into it essentially yeah i mean you have to again like working live you had to have a plan b plan and then you also had to be prepared for c d and e and then oh my god f could happen too but we'll deal that with that when we get there yeah you know what i mean and you're like this um okay ronald such a lovely person. Yeah, he is a sweetheart. How did you guys find him? So we found him. So I work with a producer named Alexis Sampietro. We work together on Who is America and on, on Borat. Uh, and uh, her specialty has been um, to find the real people you, you see in these projects. And usually she's finding uh, rather uh, unpleasant uh, you know, local politicians or people with particularly heinous and bigoted views uh, for us to then go and expose. This was quite a reverse for her, which was, we need you to find just an absolute angel of a human being, please. And someone who ideally can can roll with the punches a little bit and can maintain their sort of, can, can, can keep up their grace and humility and niceness whilst wacky things are going on around them. And most importantly, someone that an audience can really root for and invest in because if the audience isn't rooting for ronald then we don't we also don't have a tv show at that point and so she used a lot of the the techniques and the dark arts that she's perfected over the years to find like not nice people to find a nice person and yeah it, it starts with over you know four thousand people essentially submitting tapes to be what they think is potentially part of a jury pool in la and, and not much more information than that and then she'd spend a lot of time with folks over Zoom and, and, and such, getting to know them and trying to get a sense of their personalities. And then it comes down to a top 10 list and gut instinct and intuition. It's, it's an art. It's not a science. You don't know for sure. People are really, really, really complicated, especially when you put them in stressful situations. So you kind of just have to lean on your gut. And Alexis, to her credit, from day one, Ronald Gladden was number one. And she's like, this guy has it. He's a nice dude and people are going to fall in love with him. And she was very correct. It's interesting because you actually answered my next question, which was, how did you find someone so committed to doing jury duty that they didn't do what the rest of us do, which is postpone, postpone, postpone? So did he already have jury duty? And did you say, look, we're going to put you into jury duty? So... Uh, the way we did it was um, he no, he was not already on jury duty. What we had, if one of the very important conditions for our candidates was that they had never done jury duty before, okay. because if anyone had, they would be with us for thirty minutes and realize that we don't know what the hell we're doing. We're a bunch of clowns, and none of this procedure is correct. So it had to be someone who was completely uh, naive to the experience of being on jury duty. And what he thought was that there was this judge in a southern district in LA who um, was willing to allow documentary cameras into his court. And because of COVID, and this is true, right. the number of respondents to jury duty is, is very, very low. And he was open to having this production company essentially supply some more jury eligible jurors uh, for the pool. And maybe they'd get picked during voir dire, maybe they wouldn't. And that's what Ronald understood going into this. And for him... It's a really good point about, like, most people don't want to do jury duty. This kind of encapsulates Ronald. He just sold his uh, solar panel contracting business. And he was kind of in a place in his life where he just wanted to 
do something different and have a new experience. And he thought, here's a little janky documentary about some case in LA and they'll put me up and who knows, say yes to stuff, see what life has to, has to offer. And (laughs) then we are where we are right now. So there were a million opportunities for the show to go completely off the rails, starting with what if he had figured it out? Was there a moment when you thought, oh shit, he knows, he knows something is not right. Yeah, when he, I, I got, I think it was day, uh, I can't remember which day of shooting was, but it was still relatively early on. And the character of Todd, played by the genius David Brown, he's the he's the sort of the 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 one with his own inventions and his own wild and wacky mind. He came into the courthouse with uh, chair pants, which were his own invention, which were a couple of crutches strapped to his ass. And um, he walked into the courthouse and our, our, our security guard, Kerry O'Neill, who's also a writer on the show, stops him and goes like, what the hell are you doing? Ronald uh, is behind him in the line, in the security line, and he says, he turns to uh, Noah, played by Mickey Leeper, and says, this is a reality show. And when I had, because we are 15 feet away in the control room and we have a bank of monitors in front of us with every single feed we have and we're listening to everything live. And when he said that, I did, uh, uh, I nearly pooped a bit um, because uh, I thought, oh, the whole thing is now, the jig is up, essentially. Um, and he did that a couple of times, but we then realized after the fact, it was like, he's just articulating a way to explain, like, his, it's just his mind just processing, like, this is a weird thing, okay. Uh, and he's just kind of going through it. But yeah, we, I, that was the first time I really thought that we were done, and that was a terrible, terrible feeling. This episode is sponsored by Via Hemp. Ah, yes, summer, longer days, warmer nights, and the incessant chirping of crickets, reminding you that sleep is a precious commodity. Whether you need to set the mood in the bedroom or just unwind after a day battling the sun, Vaya has your back. Enter their Rest and Recovery Gummies, a magical concoction of passion flower, L-theanine, and cannabinoids designed to lull you into a state of blissful tranquility. With options for both the THC tolerant and the THC shy, Vaya ensures you'll find your perfect dosage for achieving peak comfort. Vaya isn't just about taming the sleep monsters. They've got a whole array of gummies to cater to every whim and fancy with or without THC. And... They'll discreetly ship their goodies straight to your doorstep, no matter which of the 50 states you call home. Just sit back, relax, and let Vaya work its magic. So, if you're 21 plus, you can get 15% off a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code GROUPTEXT to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's ViaHemp.com. V-I-I-A. H-E-M-P dot com. So I have tried their Zen gummies and I got to tell you, they are amazing. I live in a very sort of continual stressed out state from work to being a mom to, well, just life in general. And the Zen gummies have been amazing for me. Head to viahemp.com and use the code GROUPTEXT to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies, 21+. plus. That's viahemp.com, V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P 
groupchat.com and use the code group text at checkout. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What I kept thinking too is, what if he had walked through one of the wrong doors and suddenly ended up in the control room? Like, because there were a lot of fake walls and doors where you had hidden cameras and all sorts of stuff. What if he just suddenly went? Oh, I meant to go left, but I went right and opened a door. That is, Melissa, that is literally the challenge of the show. Well, that's how I'd always think about it when build, designing it is, what if he takes a right when he's meant to take a left? So what can you do in that situation? You can, well, you can lock right, right? You can barricade right. But if you do that and you're a real person, you're like, well, why is this thing barricaded? And that seems a bit strange. And so you're just arousing more suspicion. So you have to put these sorts of uh, sort of subliminal controls around him so that he doesn't ever um, figure that kind of stuff out. And honestly, it was just um, a lot of really robust thinking by a lot of the crew. We would walk through the, the, his world and do that kind of stuff and be like, well, why would, what would stop me from going up those stairs? And you go like, well, maybe if we let them know that actually only core employees can go up there, so we should have a sign and we should have someone posted there. Well, this door, well, this door we just never open. The rule is this door never, ever, ever opens. Um, and you would apply that kind of stuff to every single literal door that you could. And then also you would have backup plans in case something was discovered. So, for example, in the deliberation room where they spend most of their time chatting and having lunch and all that kind of stuff, there are two-way mirrors all up in that thing, which had been built when we, res- when we rehabilitated the courthouse. And when you when you walked in there the first time, you're like, this these are these are very cool. Like they match the paint, they match the finish. The production design team are absolutely incredible. Um, but there was a thing of, but they are still massive mirrors in <laughs> yeah. a room. That's still a strange thing. So it's like, well, what, why why would this exist? You go for closed court cases. If there is someone who is a, a protected witness, or there's something sensitive going on, like they might be a minor or there might be something to do with organized crime, all those kind of things, you can maybe then put them in. And so you can't start creating these, these realities in case anything goes wrong. And that's something which I'll then field producers to a handling Ronald can go and be like, oh yeah, I think they use it for like mafia cases back in the day. And that's what, so this is the kind of stuff that we would apply to basically every single thing that you see on screen had some sort of narrative behind it that we could use in case everything went wrong. It just popped in my head that that just shows you, again, how sweet Ronald is because he would never think, like, he doesn't have a devious mind to go, like, you know, what is happening, you know, and maybe it's just the business we come out of. The rest of us would be going, I know something's there. Um, I was just, this must have been a script supervisor's and a continuity uh, supervisor's worst nightmare. Um, It was not easy for that and yeah very very almost an impossible uh job actually um and 
you kind of just have to write it out. You 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 may or may not notice as you watch the show that there are some uh, costume things which don't completely match up. Was well, because we didn't what we see in the final episodes is not exactly in order for comedic right. effect or what have you. So maybe Noah has a has a tie on in one thing and doesn't in others. And we got really really during the editing process we got very nervous about that. I was like, oh, it's going to pull people completely out of the show. They're going to be oh, the magic will be undone. And then we realized when we started testing, it's like, no one gives a crap. No one, no one cares. As long as they're invested in the characters and they're invested in the premise, they just want to be in sin and enjoy the whole thing. And uh, that ended up being correct. The cast is fantastic. Amazing. The cast is fantastic. All basically unknowns. Although at the top of their improv game, how did, again, how did these, how did you find these people? And they're all, by the way, they... All are brilliant, and sh- like this is a re- something for their reels. They should all be getting offers once we all go back to work. Uh, I, I yes, from your mouth to God's ears, um, they did incredible, incredible work. Um, Susie Ferris was our, our amazing casting director, and um, we we didn't give her a lot to work with. To be honest with you, we were like, find us some jurors, and here are some very rough kind of like archetypes of what we're looking for, but we want it to be. A complete cross-section of of society. We, you know, we want a lot of different people represented in there, like they would be if they were going to court. Um, and we did something kind of fun, which is we did this this uh, for our callback. We create, we hired out a focus group facility in uh, Westwood, and we invited real people to come and take part in our focus group. And we also invited our auditioning actors on callbacks, and we told them. When you set foot in the building, there will be no one to come greet you. You will have no instructions. You just have to create a character for yourself. Here's a couple of games we would like you to try and play, improv games if you can. We will not tell you who is real. We will not tell you who the other actors are, but come in for us with us for an hour and, and, and you know, enjoy the experience. And oh yeah, because all all actors really enjoy the experience of auditioning. That's, uh-huh. that's what that, that's the lifeblood of the of the work. That and that um, when you ask people what's your favorite part of the process, that's usually it. Absolutely, uh, and so but the thing for us is like, hey, at least we're doing something which they've not done before, and it's not the the usual thing. It's like, oh, and so. What you find in those instances is that people who we would send in tapes can be obviously unbelievably funny, hilarious, talented people. When you put them in a situation around real people and they are, again, hiding in plain sight and there is a game that you are playing that that person absolutely cannot discover, some folks would really uh, retreat within themselves and they wouldn't go for a joke. They wouldn't take any risks. And so ultimately, they don't really give you anything. And then other folks who would really, really push it and really, really go for it. And then you'd start getting side eyes from the real people around the room being like, what is happening? Are we in the middle of a bit here? And so that process really allowed us to find people who were able to shine and and find that middle ground, essentially. And um, that was a hell of a lot of fun. And I'll say this, James has been rightly recognized for how incredible his work is. He's He's a genius in it. And he's a lovely human being. Like, I hope he gets every single award possible. I also... The rest, it truly is an ensemble. And the whole cast as a whole uh, are what made this thing possible. And um, I, I really hope, I know that certain awards like SAG and stuff, they actually have ensemble categories. And uh, I'm really crossing my fingers for them because it feels like that category was invented for our cast on this show. 
Uh, the cast is brilliant, but I want to touch on James for a second. I mean, how did you, who knew him? And then how do you explain to his agent, we want him, we want James Marsden to play James Marsden, alternate juror number 14, asshole actor. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> that's a, It's a big ask. It's a big ask. Did someone know him? Yeah, so Dave Bernard, one of the other producers, he um, he had a long-standing uh, personal relationship with James. They'd also worked together on some some pretty cool projects, and we always knew there was going to be a celebrity in the role that was that was written in, in, into the scripts, but we didn't know exactly who that person would be. And Dave knew James. They were having dinner. It was like, what do we think about James for this? And we were like, well, yeah, he's 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 a movie star. He's he's freaking fantastic in everything he, he does and he's funny we'd seen the d train and things like that we knew he could be a really funny guy and i think it the, the, the conversation went pretty well because james just likes to try new stuff and likes to challenge himself and he doesn't have airs and graces he's not a particularly pretentious guy uh he doesn't have a lot of those hollywood trappings and he was an opportunity to do something which no one had ever done before and he could just go nuts and just find it himself. And he also didn't come from an improv background. He's not one of those improv kids. And this was a chance for him to try something and, and, and flex some muscles that he wasn't, you know, he, he wanted to test out. And um, he really dove into it head first. It was, it was an easier sell than you'd actually think. <laughs> easier sell to him, but not to the agent. Yeah, um, quite. But I'm shocked to find out he didn't have an improv background. Yeah, not formally. And he encapsulates everything we all hate about actors in it. Whose idea was it to call the paparazzi? Because that was genius. Who came up with the idea of having him pretend to call a paparazzi? It was, it was a workshop effort from the writer's room. You know, we had, we had a 10 week, uh, 10 week writer room on this show. The show is written, you know, uh, and it, as it's much kind as of it a, can be. As, as much as it can be. It, it's kind of shocking how many key storylines, character elements were devised in that room and you end up seeing on screen and the, the paparazzi we knew we had to to your point earlier about working backwards we knew we had to get to sequestration sequestration was so so important in the production process because we had to take ronald's phone away from him we had to take away his ability to access real-time information because right. of the fakery of everything around him right he couldn't be googling the factory, because he would realize that that factory isn't what the factory actually is or what have you. Um, so we had to get to sequestration, which meant taking the phones away. So how do you do that? We have to trigger some sort of event. And we had this whole, it took us weeks in terms of all these different things that could happen. Could someone like have a heart attack? Could someone like divulge information? Could you have like a press comp? All this kind of silly, wacky, insane stuff. And paparazzi ended up being just about the cleanest way in. But even then, we were really, really nervous. Like, is he going to buy that this is happening, that, like, paparazzi are coming to this courthouse in, like, uh, Huntington Park, California, to pap James Marsden? And he did, because uh, James sold it <laughs> brilliantly. He sold it perfectly well. I love when he, when James is quizzing him about his his resume. Um, <laughs> all the different, <laughs> the signing the DVD, and... This poor guy goes out and buys it. I mean, it's just, James is so spot on, and I don't want to give stuff away. But in the factory, yeah, I could not stop laughing. 
He's so funny. He's so, he so funny, and it's it's sort of weird that someone that like Holly, like the kind of movie star, he's like insanely good looking, and like, and you kind of have certain, I don't know, you kind of have certain prejudices about what a person like that would be like in real life or how they work, and it, he's just so goddamn funny. And there's so much stuff we didn't use of him because there's, there's only so much bloody screen time. Um, no, he's 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 amazing, and honestly, I can't I can't imagine the show obviously without Ronald, and I also cannot imagine the show without James. I, I I don't know what that looks like. With the actors, you and the writers and the directors had the power to kind of steer the reactions, but with Ronald, you had to sort of take a step out and say, what would be his reactions? We have to be ready for reaction A, reaction B, reaction C, and I have been on a show where those things have gone completely. Off track. I did a reality show, uh, a competition reality show, and when they asked me to do it, they were expecting me to be one kind of particular person, and I ended up being the polar opposite. And a very good friend of mine was one of the EPs on it. And later she told me, she goes, you know, you threw the entire show into (laughs) chaos. And she's like, I told them that's not who you were, but, you know. And it did. It threw the entire production into complete and total chaos. How how did you prepare for that? I mean, and what if, how did you nudge him the way you wanted him to go? I mean, obviously he's intrinsically a really nice guy, but everybody has their limits. I would have thrown the notebook at someone when they couldn't figure out a freaking lunch order. I mean, everybody at one point does lose it. I would have been like, y'all figure it out. You start with um, the person's personality. As in, you're exactly right in terms of Ronald was his own sort of. He kept himself on the rails for us, which is kind of remarkable. And that he he went everywhere. We, we his natural inclination was to go where we wanted him to go. So that's the first thing. Uh, and then after that, you have these you have these sort of support mechanisms built around him. So you have James. James is very important because. Um, we found our theory was that if you have a choice of taking your left or taking your right, if there's a very famous or influential person next to you and they say, I don't know, I think left feels pretty good. More often than not, the real person will go, oh, you think, okay, yeah, left, let's go left. That seems like a good, it's, it's a, you know, a little unconscious influence there as well. The rest of our cast could do that too in terms of guiding him. You see a lot of that in Margaritaville with uh, Maria Russell, who plays Inez, like in terms of coming over and helping us get at the table, in terms of the arm wrestling, that's when Cassandra comes in and starts really egging him on that way. So, it's a little, so there's an element of peer pressure going on too. Those are your first two things. And then you have the fallback of the court, which is really, really powerful, which is he doesn't know any better. So we can just say the judge has a rule. This is how this court works. So you have to do it like this. So that creates sort of barriers and ring fences him somewhat as well. And then finally, we have the documentary team and they could say stuff like, oh, I'm sorry, we can't do this because we're trying to get this shot. Would you mind? Blah, 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 blah. So you're creating all of these sort of barriers around him, which hopefully, well, bumpers, let's call them bumpers, which can Backstops. generally nudge him, nudge, yeah, nudge him along in a certain way. And But again, it all starts with his natural inclination. And we were really, really lucky that he's a nice dude. He tends to go along with folks. Did you have a therapist or did you guys work with a therapist or a behavioralist? Because you're clearly very well versed in all the psychological 
mumbo jumbo dark arts to get someone to do what you need them to do. Uh, I have a therapist. Hell yeah. Uh, shout out to Dr. Rice. Um, hey, Dr. May. Do- Dr. <laughs> May. Hey, Dr. Rice. Dr. May. Uh, lifesaver. Uh, actual genuine lifesaver. And I will say this. I talked through when we were, when this was still just an idea before we actually started doing this thing. I have I spoke with her a great deal because honestly, and this seems slightly personal, I had to square away any ethical issue considerations that I had and pursuing this thing because what if this goes wrong? And I don't mean like, oh, it's not funny or he finds out. What if he has a really bad time? What if he actually hates this thing and you realize you're the person who brought this experience to him and dragged him through it? That's kind of a heavy thing to deal with. So I spent a lot of time working through well, how are we, what are the ways that we can, as best as possible, guarantee that that doesn't happen. Um, so yeah, spent a lot of time in therapy figuring out what's what's cool and what's not cool, what's right and what's wrong. And we did have um, a uh, therapist on hand for Ronald before the experience started, during the experience, and then afterwards. And the way that worked was, we said, well, the documentary, we're kind of interested in charting people's psychological progress and making sure that everyone's okay being on camera during this thing. And that was the way that we sort of slipped in what became a really important pro- producing procedure for us, which is doing a mental health check with Ronald as he's on this thing and is he okay? And so he would have calls, um, uh, Zooms, I should say, with, uh, with our therapist whilst he was at the hotel. And we would pretend that all the other cast are doing it as well because everything has to seem real. So they would just say like, oh, how is Dr. John for you? Did he ask you about any pets? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so everyone had to you know, have their own fake uh, uh, therapy check-ins as well. But we did it for real with Ronald before, during, and after. Because obviously, once the truth is revealed, then that's just a, a waterfall of realizations pouring over Ronald. Everything that he's done for the last three plus weeks, he's then like re-examining all that kind of stuff. And we wanted to make sure that he felt psychologically supported as he was wrapping his mind around this completely insane thing. Isn't it? You have to have that kind of support. Um, And here's the difference is you went to therapy to deal with, you know, ethical issues. I would have been saying to my therapist, okay, we have a hundred to spend, but do you think 50 would be okay do you think, or do, do we need, it's do I split the difference and go 75? <laughs> the network would be much happier. It would help the budget. See, that's the difference between us. Um, I mean, I would, he could have lost his shit, but I would think $100,000 probably eased the pain. Um, yes. The actors were all sequestered. Were just the ones who were supposed to be staying at the same hotel with Ronald sequestered or living in the hotel and the other guys got to go home. By the way, love how you figured that out with James, with the with the fake I can pay for my own bailiff to be in the house. Yeah, that was the exact correct. So in the with the essentially the younger cast really ended up being the ones who stayed in the hotel because actually, frankly, they have they don't they are necessarily children at home or of they're of an age where they can they they can probably put up with that stuff a little bit more. Uh, and also, they're a bunch of psychos who are just really into it. Like they just loved it. They're a bunch of freaks. Um, and, but the rest of our cast would stay in the other hotel and we had to devise a plan, which is like every day court finishes and there are two, uh, minivans waiting 
And see, I'm going to call A, Hotel A, Hotel B. One would go back, the Ronald Van would go to the hotel, and those actors we would not see again until the next morning when they come up in character. And then all the other, the other van circles the block, comes back to the courthouse. We assemble all our cast and remaining crew in the, in the courtroom, and we talk about the day. And we say, what did we achieve? What are the story beats we hit? What unexpected things happen that we need to keep track of? What, what is now real information that exists in this world that we now is now part of like the canon, what we can't lose? How do we achieve what we need to achieve tomorrow? Any, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that was a really, the fun of it is a really collaborative process because everyone, we really gave everyone a chance to, to, to talk during those things and give us their feedback because it was so, it was very fluid. Uh, no one had ever done it before. So people would have really legitimate considerations about how we were doing things, how we were treating Ronald, how we were going to capture stuff. And we all kind of figured it out together. It was, it was a very cool collaborative process in that way. The way you guys all stayed so so light on your feet, as I like to say, was brilliant. I know there's one moment where someone says someone else's bag and uses the person's real name. But I mean, that's that's the fun of it, is having to stay that light on your feet. Do you think this would end, I mean, also, by the way, brilliant how you worked COVID in because if things weren't ready or you had to revert or rehearse say oh the COVID tests aren't back yet that was that was my thing that was probably my favorite devious thing that I've ever done was using this terribly traumatic global pandemic to allow us to rehearse hey, <laughs> an extra day you gotta do what you gotta do would yes. you think there'd be any other scenarios where this would work or I mean this really has to world. be a one-off well um uh, hmm. I mean, doing it as jury with the success of this, you're not going to be able to pull it off another jury. I think that would be uh, a challenge, practically speaking. But also, we I feel like this show is a bit of a magic trick, which people really enjoyed. Um, and it felt like one whole complete magic trick over eight episodes. And it felt people leaving, like people left it feeling like they've experienced this whole thing in its entirety. It feels like one story. Um, doing it again, it's kind of like doing, uh, if you did it in a, a courthouse again, it feels like, oh, you're just doing the same magic trick, but we're just changing the color of the, 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 the cloth or something. Um, so you probably, I don't, uh, you probably wouldn't want to necessarily do that again, but who knows? The, the world is full of possibilities. And, um, I know that it's going to be, I, I guarantee there's going to be a lot of TV shows on the air in 2025, which will have a real guy in the middle of some shenanigans-y situation and good luck to them. Um, because I think my word of warning is you've really got to care. You've got to give a shit about your real person because if you don't, then you can have a really like um, not great experience on your hands. So I know there's going to be a wave of these things. We were the first ones to do it. We feel very honored and, and, and lucky to have done that. And I know there's going to be a bunch of folks who do it's jury duty, but and um good luck to them but i i like i hope i hope they care is, is all I, yeah, I have to say about that because again you're taking someone's literal life into your hands for this period of time anything that happens to them over these, these weeks it's on you so you better make it worthwhile and have thought it through how's ronald now what's he what's i mean and, and suddenly he's famous he's so freaking famous suddenly it's, he's famous it's so nuts and we I was at a festival in Austin a few months ago called the ATX Festival, and we went out drinking, and it was great fun, and we went to a honky-tonk, and it was midnight when we got in there, everyone was kind of sloppy, this this place, and there's like sawdust on the floor, all really good fun stuff, and we walk in, and the in when Ronald walks in, the entire bar turns and stares at him, and then they just start flocking 
and they do this thing like they just kind of want to just touch him it's like touching like jesus's garb or something it's like this holy man and there's a like they revered and loved him it's like they had it's the, the whole parasocial relationship thing people genuinely love this man and he had no idea who they were and i had not i've not seen that before. i've worked i've been around lots of famous people and i've seen crowds get excited for them and stuff i had not seen that sort of like reverence and love that people had for him and um it was it's mind-blowing it's still the case now he's having uh, a whale of a time he goes from premieres to the espies to commercials of freaking ryan reynolds to everyone telling him around the world that they love him um and he's managed to keep his feet on the ground which is the, the nicest bit of all of it he's still the same dude he's still a nice agreeable funny regular guy um and i will say when when we were prepping this and i would get nervous about the outcome and could we pull it off and are we doing are we doing the right thing here to comfort myself i used to visualize him being on like a, a talk show couch and talking with some host and yucky it up and in my wildest dreams i never thought that he would be having this level of sort of fame and joy and success right now that he is so um that's a blessing so before I let you go, there are a few Easter eggs in the show. The one I caught at the very end was one of the executive producers is a woman named Cody, which if you've seen the show, you understand what that means. Or did I miss other Easter eggs? There are, there are loads. Some of them didn't actually make it onto screen, but yeah, Cody, our showrunner, um, uh, Lone Pine uh, is the town of Lone Pine is essentially where uh, Cody's dad lives near there um, it's this little desert uh, ghost town essentially um, the law firm that Trisha uh, that uh, Trisha Lafash represents um, is uh, Hella Weinberg Hatton Lasseur so named after all of us we're a bunch of egotistical maniacs essentially just dropping our names everywhere that we go I mean if we don't get to be on camera um uh, yeah, there's lots of little stuff like that uh, dotted around the place. The the manager, Jean-Paul Cantona of the factory, he actually does own that factory. That is his factory. And as he was showing us around all the stuff, we were like, oh, he should just be the guy who shows them around the stuff because we don't know what the hell we're talking about. And he was lovely and French and laid back. And he was called Cantona because that was my favorite soccer player growing up. So we just like, you know, we filled the reality with our own little personal whims and all that kind of stuff. Well, it is absolutely one of my favorite shows of the last year. I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed it. What I am so endlessly in awe and amazed from a producing point of view of what you managed to pull off. Absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you very much for watching it. And um, we just, uh, we wanted to make something in a certain way. And there was a world in which no one even watched it. Because it was on this little platform that no one was new and no one had ever heard of. And at the end of the day, we certainly didn't envisage this being like a big hit, successful show. We just wanted to like see if we could pull off this experiment and feel good about it. So to be here talking with you now and knowing that you watched and loved the show and that lots of other people around the world have had the same reaction is it feels a bit insane. Um, but it's 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 lovely and and, and wonderful. Thank you so much. Ahora Media Production.